Today we have Augustino Pintus on the show. Are you looking for a way to build wealth? Augustino knows the importance of cash flow. He started with single family and scaled to 15 multifamily properties with 1,600 units. He's the host of the Bulletproof Cashflow Podcast. He lives in Cleveland and he knows all about fear. But he also knows the importance of cash flow and pushing past that fear. His story will inspire you. Listen and learn. Before we jump into the intro, if you have interest in learning how to invest passively, check out my five-step process for passively investing in real estate. You can download it for free by going to darrenbatchelder.com backslash learn and then select the free PDF. Now, onto the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Augustino Pintus before we start the show. Augustino lives in Cleveland. He was a C-level technology executive before becoming a full-time real estate investor. Like many, he started with single family and then he scaled up into multifamily, achieving one goal after the next and knowing the importance of cash flow has kept him focused on scaling his business and building generational wealth. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest with us today. We've got Augustino Pintus with us. Augustino, appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, man, I'm super excited to be here. Been looking forward to this all day. Absolutely. So just a little bit on how I know Augustino. So um, I was on a guest on another podcast, and, and the host was like, after we stopped recording, he was like, look, you got to get in touch with these people. And, and he pointed me to a number of, of friends of his and Augustino was one of them. So we connected a, a while back and um, he's just doing phenomenal things. And we also ran into each other at um, a multifamily conference in Houston. And um, we just talked last week and got reacquainted and, and excited to have him on. So Augustino, uh, for the listener's standpoint, can you just share a little bit about how many properties and how many units you're currently invested in? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, first off, thanks again for, for having me on, man. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, as, as far as units, you know, we're, we're getting another deal under contract right now. We're going to be at about uh, 1,600 units all here in Cleveland. Number of properties... I think I'm off, but it's probably about 15, 15. maybe a little more, wow. probably a little more than that. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe 16, something like that. You know, um, I, I track more units than anything else. But then what we also do, aside from actual buying stabilized multifamily, we're also into development. And we have uh, currently three projects underway right now. We have um, the, the, the uh, ground up development. Here in Cleveland, we have the we have another ground development that's going to be kicking off in Q1, uh, also here in Cleveland, and in a very hot part of the, of, of, of the the market. And then, of course, where I'm sitting right now, the Rockefeller Building in downtown Cleveland. Uh, this deal alone is 135 million dollars when it's completed. You know, that's what it's going to be valued at, and uh, it's going to be a monster, monster redevelopment deal. You know, over 430 units just in this building alone. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. That is crazy. So um, let's go back a little bit. Like, what were you doing before you even got into real estate? <laughs> so I was, uh, I was working in corporate. I was running Corp like large corporate America, you know, large enterprise IT. That's what I was doing. You know, I was running large. So you were an IT manager? Uh, more like C level, CIO, CTO, that type of that type of person. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah, and you know, I I was doing that for for the longest time. I'd say <laughs> like I'd say about seventeen, eighteen years ago, when I first got into this whole real estate thing, 
I started with single family. And the only reason why I did it is because a friend of mine says, you should do real estate. It's, it's great. Passive income. It's super. I mean, that was, that was the decision-making process. And at the time, the company that I was working with was, uh, was doing very well and I was doing very well. So I was like, I had extra cash. I, I knew nothing about anything. I just started buying single family homes and small multifamily assets, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it was funny when I bought my first house, I was scared to death. I was scared. Oh my God, was I scared. I was like, what the hell did I just do? I just bought a single family home. Someone's going to pay, <laughs> someone's going to pay me rent for real. Someone's going to, and they did. I'm like, holy crap. They paid me. I can't, I can't believe this works. it. You know, it works. Oh my God. I was so surprised. It's funny that, uh, this is, and this is a hundred thousand dollar house, mind you. Okay. 110, right. maybe something like that. Like, we're, we're not talking about anything big here. Right. And, um, it's wild how fast, uh, how, how fast I've progressed from doing that. And of course went through some really, really rough times. So what I call it the 10 dark years, uh, after getting laid off from that company and going through a bunch of, bunch of other bad things in my life with divorce and all kinds of other bad relationships and all kinds of nonsense. But really I'd say only, only the last, uh, three and a half, four years now have things really corrected themselves. And now I'm doing what, what I'm meant to do and I'm supposed to do uh, with a newfound goal set in my life. You know, when, when you try to live your life without any specific goal, you're going to have a hard time, you have a very hard time. But it's, it's amazing when you have that goal defined and clear in your mind every single day, life is much easier that way. You know, it really is. Well you brought something up goals that it sounds like so easy. I mean, you hear it all the time, like set goals and go after goals, but a huge, huge percentage of the population does not take the time to write down their goals. Right. And so yeah. what happens is life just pushes people into certain situations. I mean, think about, College. I mean, how many kids go to college and, you know, maybe they know they want to do business or they want to do engineering or whatever, but they don't really understand what kind of job they can get afterwards. But then senior comes up, they put in their resume to the companies that show up, they get a, a good paying job, something that their parents are proud of. They go start working. And next thing you know, they may not be doing what they really want to do, but each year they get a raise and they don't know what else to do. I mean, stuck there. And yeah. Stuck there. Yeah. Stuck. And you get yeah. stuck. One thing that was cool about what you said earlier was that you had a friend that told you, you got to get into real estate. That yeah. one that was cool that that friend took the time and energy to try to pull you in. Secondly, you know what? You took action. You were scared, but you still bought that single family house and, and that started everything. That's right. The one single family. And by the way, that friend, he's not in real estate anymore. Oh, he's not? He's not? <laughs> why? Why? He, he's still, I don't know why. I don't know why he got in and then he, he bought, he, part of it is, is that he, he kept on buying, he bought some single families. Then he bought, he bought a Corvette, a Viper, a hopped up Hummer. He bought a motorcycle. Oh, no. He bought it. He had a giant house. Lots of he, toys. He, a lot of toys. He ended up, then he bought a bar and then he went bust and he lost it all. And then including the houses. And now it just, uh, he just, he just chills. That's it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's too bad. I was, gonna, I was thinking that you were going to say now he invests. He's, he's one of your investors. <laughs> no, he, no, 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 but he, he's, he really is a good dude. And I do thank him for, for at least putting me on the path at least, but it's like, but, but you know, Darren, you're absolutely right. Is that when I was growing up, our, my, my parents did not tell me about, uh, about the the various ways of earning income, the various ways of setting goals, the, the, right. the about, about keeping a a a a map around what you want your life to look like. All these different things are elusive. A lot of people think it's a bunch of foo foo nonsense, but right. it's not. They do. It's all it's all real. It's real. The, the 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 most successful, wealthiest people on the planet do this every single day, and people need to be doing this too. But I, I think part of it is is that. It's, it's the way that we we're raised, right? And it's, uh, and it's, un, it's unfortunate because 
there's generations of these people and they're suffering. They're suffering right now, you know, and, and they, they, what they do is rather than taking action themselves, they blame other people. Right. And they're, they're miserable. They live a very miserable life. And uh, this, is, this is how they're suffering. You know, rather than taking responsibility, they blame it on someone else. They blame it on capitalism. They blame it on the rich. They blame it on, on whatever, you know. Well, I think, really that, sad. I think that they are, they're scared and fear is real, right? And you, but you, the difference is from people that I've talked to that have been successful, the difference is they still had fear. You talked about your first single family. You were scared, but you still took action. And yeah. I know for me, my first investment was a, was a dupe, new construction duplex. And I think it was 300,000. And, and my wife and I had to put in like 50K and we got a loan for the remainder. But I was scared on that deal. And I had, I had plenty of the capital. It wasn't like it was going to change my life if, if it went sideways. But people don't want to lose, you know? So that's ingrained in people that, you know, prevent yourself from losing more so than what would happen if it's successful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's more, though, it's funny you should say that. We're afraid to lose and you don't want to ask for help. Right. Because if you, if, you, if you lose something, you're an idiot, you're a loser, get in the corner, put on your dunce cap. I don't even have to do that anymore, right? That, that maybe <laughs> I might be dating myself, right? But it's like, you're, you're, you're an idiot if you do that. And if you ask for help, you're a bigger idiot. That's, that's the education system at work, yeah. you know? And because growing up, you weren't allowed to ask for help. You weren't allowed to, to ask for any type of assistance. <laughs> Today, that's all I do. I call, I, call my, I call my lenders all the time. I call my inspectors all the time. Help me out with this deal. I don't know what to do with this. What, right. what do I do? How do I fix this? You know, that's part of this is why I have a team, right? We were discouraged from taking risks. We were trained to be employees. Right. And this is 100% incorrect. It's, it's an antiquated, obsolete idea. That's yeah. going to, that, that, and people will get killed out there. They'll get slaughtered because they want to build wealth using the old fashioned techniques. And I was one of those people. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It takes, it takes an element of risk. And, uh, and believe me, it isn't like I just woke up one day and decided I was going to do all this. Um, it took a lot of, it took some training. It took a lot of mistakes and it took, it took some faith, you know, some faith that I can pull this off. And I think it also took um, faith and commitment you know, I had to really 100% commit, you know, once, once they handed the last time I had a, a, an actual job job with a real company, they handed me the GTFO box, you know, the GTFO boxes, right? I did not. The GTFO. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if I can say it on your show, but I better not say it. <laughs> I, I, I can, I can pretty much figure it out now. Get the, <laughs> right. And <laughs> right, I'm not going right. to say the other two, right? Right, right, right. Right. So here's your box, yeah. pack up your stuff and get, get lost. And I'm right. like, here I am. I'm in my, in my, I was in my mid forties and now what the hell am I going to do? I have my family that depends on me and I have no job. How many more times am I going to put my life in the hands of someone else that doesn't care anything about me or my family? Yeah. Right. And I remember I would, I would go back in that treadmill again about sending out resumes, resume, resume, resume. And then finally I decided, you know what, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to get off this treadmill. I'm going to focus on real estate. The one thing that no matter what happened, you want to, from when I bought those, that real estate at that time was probably 13 or 14 years prior was still giving me money. I still own some of that real estate, right? Even today, I still own some of those houses. I still have them. And it's throw off money every, every month. I still get a check from that. Every month. I'm like, why am I killing myself with this, with this earned income, which is, which is high, the highest taxed income, by the way. It's only going to go higher, whether you believe it or not. It will go higher. I could either keep doing that nonsense or go get more passive income. Right. But this, this is where the pain comes in because now I have to learn how to do that, how to, how to buy real estate. And that's the hard part because, Darren, people don't want to commit to doing that kind of work. Yeah. I, and, and you know what you said before? I think it's because, you know, the country, the education system trains us to be employees. And I was one of those, right? I, mm -hmm. I, I was in a number of different industries and I, and I got paid very well. But I was trained, put 10 or 20% away 
into, you know, 401ks, into, you know, buying buy yep. stocks and ETFs and whatnot. And that that is just going to grow. But what I learned from other real estate people is, you know what? We are all accountable for our assets. We can't just push money aside and then hope that somebody is going to take care of it. So right. <laughs> when you said you need to learn, right? What you did was you got educated and all of a sudden you said to yourself, you know what? I'm going to try this. And then you saw that he was making more money. And so then you start allocating more time and resources to that type of investment. Yep. And I mean, and I set myself a goal too. And part of it is, I remember, you know what, man, I had, uh, I was doing these, these, these sheets and I would write out all the goals. I was typing them all up. And it was almost like a little poster, you know, just a regular old, uh, you know, piece of white paper. Like I printed it all off and had like colors, colors around the big goals and, and, the, and the weekly goals. And I, and, I, and I took these sheets and I put them all over my apartment. I put them, I hung them on the bathroom, the kitchen. My, I had three of them in my bedroom, everywhere. So no matter where, what room I was in, I see, see it. it. No matter what, it's a big red square with all the stuff in there. So you can't ignore it. And then, it, so it, there was no time to chill and watch Game of Thrones or whatever, whatever was on TV. There's no time for that. I had, right. If I'm going to hit these goals, I have to block out everything to focus on that stuff. And then what's funny is that I remember one of my goals was to buy a, I think it was like a 20-unit apartment building. It's, it's funny because now I won't even look at that kind of stuff anymore. Sure. It's just like, like 200 is probably the minimum at this point, right? <laughs> so it's, but it's, it's just funny how that works, how, how big your mind expands as you take down more deals. But it's, it's a matter of, of trying to break through that, that uh, break the spell that's been cast on us from when we were kids. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not about to tell anybody that that's super easy. It's not. It's not. It's very, very hard. But the way you break it is to educate yourself and taking action and be around people that, that have already broken through. Right? That's the secret. That, that is really the secret. Yeah, that, that's huge. Um, you know, that single family home. Um, but you, you said it once you, so that was your goal at one point is, was buy a single family home. And then, Yep. Then it then it was buy a twenty unit apartment building. Prior, you never could have even thought about buying a twenty unit apartment complex. That's you know, right. but that's what happens when you set goals and then you achieve those goals. Is that naturally we push the boundaries? So the next goal typically is a bigger challenge. Yeah. And yet yeah. you, you wouldn't have gotten there had you not taken the first goal. And I think part of it, too, though, too, is that it's, it's the questions that we ask ourselves that determine what happens next. Like what right? questions? So, so let's say, for instance, instead of saying, just, I'm working on a, on a huge deal right now. It's really big. Big how, deal. How big? Uh, like $40 million big. And I got to close it by the end of the year. And we're recording here. It's, uh, you know, mid-October right now, right? Big deal. The question now is not, oh, I can't do it. Can't be done. Sorry, can't do it. No, the question is, how do I do it? What needs to happen? How do I get this organized, right? Th these two very different things will determine whether you're going to have success or whether you're going to have failure. Because what you speak becomes truth, if you're, if you immediately says, I can't do it, your mind shuts off. It's, it's already defeated. It's done. It stops thinking about a solution. But if you say, how can I do it? Your mind starts opening up and tries to determine ways of, of getting a deal done. Right. I even when far, you're sleeping, even when you're sleeping, <laughs> even when you're sleeping in the shower, most people get their ideas in the shower. Yeah. Especially in the shower too. You know, it's like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the soothing water. I don't know what it is, right? But uh, so many of my ideas come to me in the shower, right? It's it's crazy. But at any rate, it's it's it's. It, but we've been conditioned to think about what to immediately just shut it down. Oh, sorry, can't do it. Next, and so yeah. that was the case. So and I would case. I would add to you know how do I do it? 
you know, one of the components in that, how do I do it is, is thinking about who, like, so you, you talked about having relationships that you can call up and say, Hey, you know, you've been through a lot. Have you seen this? How, you know, how'd you do it? Who, you know, is there somebody I can call to help me on this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, though, Darren, you know, there's there's so many people that sometimes they'll reach out to me. Sometimes I watch them reach out to other folks. The thing is, though, is that is this is gonna sound it's gonna sound really funky to say, but funky, huh? pe- funky. Because <laughs> here's the thing. You know, I, I, well, you know, again, I'm trying to use very uh, very clean language. The thing is, is that what you say and what you ask people tell a lot about you. All right. There's this is that saying about there are no stupid questions and that kind of thing. No, there are stupid questions. All right. I'm here to tell you that there are stupid questions. If you're if one of your questions is what NOI are you buying? Or, no, what what cap rate are you buying these days? Right. That's a stupid question. That's a dumb question. Right. Because cap rate doesn't matter. It's NOI that matters. And, and if you're in the real estate game buying multifamily assets, you're going to know that. And if you're asking if you're saying that you're in the game. There's plenty of material out there. It's totally free that anybody can learn. And you need to be learning this information before you go and talk to the heavy hitters, right? As a, as a new person, as a newbie, right? These are things that you just need to know. You need to understand ahead of asking those questions. Right? Yeah. And you can, you can uh, leverage other resources, right? So you said surround yeah. yourself with other people that have broke through, that have already done it. So you can ask, you know, if you're a newbie, you can ask somebody that's successful and say, you know, what questions should I ask the broker? You know, what questions should I ask the lender? Yeah. You know, yeah. so so that way they have already been through it. They can coach you on some of the good questions to ask. So that will, the questions that you ask will help develop your credibility with that broker or with that lender. Exactly. Um, so, because, here, because here's the thing, Darren, you know, many people don't realize is that when, when you speak something, the person receiving that information is going to make a determination about you as an individual. What question you ask, how you ask it, what, what is the, the temperament of your voice, what, is, uh, how, what words do you use when you form that question? All these different things come into play. And if you're not asking the right question in the right fashion, you're, you're, you're going to sound and look like a newbie and the chances of them helping you uh, long-term anyway, decrease significantly. So that's why it's like being armed with information, even up front, doing, doing the work up front, which is what I did. I mean, I studied like a maniac learning everything I possibly could to know the business before I even opened my mouth and talked to anybody. At least get to a point where there's so much free material out there. You can learn it. You can speak it, and then when you do get ready to speak it, you can speak confidently about what you've learned, right? And I think that many people, they expect to be spoon-fed. And it's, I know it sounds terrible, but the thing is, though, there's a lot of competition out there, guys. A lot of competition. A lot of people out there that are very, very bright. And you have to, it's still, even though this is a, this is a, a team-based type of business, there are still competition out there. And you have Absolutely. to be better. There's a lot you, of competition. You, you got to be good. You got to be good. That's a lot it. of competition. Well, I would layer something on top of what you said, um, because the, I think there's also a lot of people that get into, hey, I want to be involved with multifamily. And they do spend the time on educating themselves. You know, they listen to a lot of podcasts. They read a lot of books. They underwrite a ton of deals, but they can't, you know, get over the, the ledge, you know? And so I, yeah. I think that, you know, you're never going to, so you want to act credible and you want to come across professional, but the first time you talk to a broker, the first property tour you go on, you're not going to be as confident and as skilled as the 10th property tour. Like, Correct. so you have to get out and do it. And then you learn each time. So you, maybe you call some junior brokers, you know, and go on some tours with some some brokers that you don't want to hurt your reputation in the beginning, but you want to develop that skill set. Um, 
But you have to get out and start doing stuff. You got to get on the phone, talk to people. You got to get out and visit properties, et cetera. But you know what, Darren, it's something you mentioned there was very important because let's say, for instance, you go through all the books, you learn all the information, you know the terms, you speak confidently, you find a deal, you go walk the property. But you don't you know what though? You still don't have the means to take it down. Meaning maybe you don't have the net worth, you don't have the banking relationships, you don't have the cash in the bank or whatever, right? But you have a deal. Then maybe your next step is to try to find a, a, a maybe a local syndicator or, or, or some, some other syndicator interested in that market. You have to be able to convince and sell that deal to that person. Because if you're unable to sell that deal to that person, the deal's not going anywhere. Yeah. Right. And and that's the thing. I mean, there's your your ability to to know and understand how to pitch that deal could could make all the difference in the world, right? But again, I mean, none of this stuff happens overnight. And I think that we're we're, we're living we're living in a, in a in a world today where it's instant gratification. It's taken me years to learn all this stuff, and I'm I'm, I'm fortunate in a way going through corporate America, I had the, the raw skills on how to do this stuff in terms of selling, in terms of numbers and Excel sheets and all that stuff. So I was familiar with that. Right. But, but when it came to the pitch and came to the psychology of who I'm speaking to and, and why, they want, why they should listen to this pitch, that's, 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 been, that's proven to be huge, very, very helpful to me. Yeah, that that is huge. I I mean, I ad, I advise people that you know when you're going out and doing this. Um, yeah, I mean, you're talking about the pitch to the to the actual um, GP that may yep. partner with you. That might be the, um, you know. But I think that newbies have to develop relationships with four or five people that have said that are senior that have done yep. this before that agree ahead of time. Hey, if you've got the right deal. I know you, like you, trust you, and I would consider doing business with you. It's not a hundred percent, you know, guarantee that they're going to, but because not only do you have to pitch the deal to, you know, the GP, but if you really have a good deal, you got to pitch to the, to the broker that you're aligned with somebody senior that has experience that you could actually close this deal. Yep. That's right. And see, but you know what, Darren, all that stuff you just mentioned, everything we've been talking about here involves a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, and, and it's time, not easy. Time it's and not, effort. It's time consuming. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's time consuming. A- absolutely. Great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, the difference is, so a few things. One, you were C-level on the IT side. I was making really good money in sales in a number of different industries. But I've met people from all walks of life like that have been successful in real estate, you know? So you don't have to come to it with, you know, a huge bank account and, and, um, you know, a ton of, you know, C-level experience. Like you can actually um, do it by learning from others. And, uh, but... There's bloods, you know, there's, there's a lot of hard knocks along the way and, and you have to be committed and focused and, you know, they say like burn the ships. You gotta, you gotta really be, believe in yourself that you're going to make it happen. Yeah. And I think part of it though, too, is, is that there's, there's an element of, of what you, what, what sort of life do you want to live? Right. I have, I have a friend of mine, he's in a real estate game and he buys multifamily, but he's a, he does smaller stuff, you know, 20, 30 units, something like that. And you know, his, his whole thing was, well, how much money do you really need? You know, that kind of thing. Sure. Right. And, and that's okay. I'm not knocking the guy at all. He's per- perfectly fine. You know, Hey, he's, he's got, I don't know, a couple hundred units. He uses his own money to buy all these things. So he's not syndicating anything. He does okay. He does fine, you know, and uh, he wants to be able to go on his hunting trips and hey, he's got a nice car. That's it. He's perfectly happy. If that's a vision for his life and he's perfectly happy, Mazel tov, great, super. If, if your vision is to have a billion dollars of assets under management, it's a whole different mentality, a whole different scenario for that. Um, it requires a lot more work. 
and uh, a lot more sacrifice. And that's, that's where it comes down to is how much do you want to sacrifice? Maybe it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be one extreme or the, the other. It could be somewhere in the middle. Sure, absolutely. You know? But it, it, it does take sacrifice. I mean, and it does, take, uh, it does take a lot of work. I mean, I didn't get to where I'm at by easily... Uh, like nothing was handed to me. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. So let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about how, um, you started with, with one single, then you, you ended up, I remember you said the 20 unit and now you said you're working on this Rockefeller building, which is going to be valued at 135 million. It's 430 units. Uh, you know, talk, talk to the listeners a little bit about that progression. How did, you know, how did you get there? How long did it take? And, um, maybe talk about that that, you know, Rockefeller building, um, project. Sure. Okay. So this, this is, uh, I'm going to try to condense the story because there's, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot that took place when I first, when I was first exposed to the, to this whole real estate game, it was like I said, single family, small multifamily. When was and that? That was, let's see, this is, this is probably 2006. Four, five, six, okay. you know, something like that. You know, that's so that's when you ago. bought your first single family was back in two thousand four or six. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because I had, I had, um, had a condo. We ended up renting it out and then moved to Virginia, and I started buying houses and stuff like that out there. Houses, small multifamily. Okay. And then after that, though, going through, went through a divorce shortly thereafter. Right, right after two thousand eight. And things were things were starting to get really, really, really dicey in the in the relationship at home it was going really bad. Uh, I'd say about 2010, things finally fell apart, and I and I I was basically coasting. My whole life was on coast mode, right? And um, I did not. I wasn't doing real estate. I wasn't doing anything. I was trying to. I was trying to keep any type of job in IT that I possibly could. That's how bad it was in my life. Um. And I would go from job to job to job. I had no why. I had no focus. I had no vision for what I wanted my life to be like. It's kind of like I was working. I was scrambling to find a paycheck every single week. That was my goal. Very, very different. I was I mean, very different from what's going on today. Right? Sure. But it's like you don't know that when you're experiencing it. Well, it's, and, it's a and, life, and a life huge life. portion of the, of the population lives that life. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's, and that's, that's, and even whether, maybe they're not panicking. Right. But the, the same way I was, but that's how they live their life. And, I, and I, they, they live their life praying for Friday and dreading Monday. And even if they're getting, you know, raises and, and bonuses and, and climbing the corporate ladder, typically they increase their, and, and maybe they, they have a happy family life. They weren't going through a, a you know, divorce like you had gone through, um, but they're raising their lifestyle. Yeah. Nicer, well, nicer cars, nicer homes, nicer vacations, and doesn't give them the flexibility to do anything. So now you're in this tough stance back in 2010. How do you change yeah, it? So I would say just before 2010, things were going really, really bad. And then 2010 was finally the last straw, go through a divorce. And then I would just coast from job to job to job and working at some, and, and part of it too, guys, it's like, you might work at a, at a really crappy company. You can't say that you worked at a crappy company, unfortunately, you know, cause it looks really bad to the guys you interview. Like, it's, isn't it funny how that works, right? I work for a lot of crappy companies, a lot of bad ones, right? Uh, so that, that further, and the more the crappy companies you work for, the, the worse off you become. And that goes back into managing your career, which I was not doing very well. I had great opportunities that were, that, that I, that I'd landed. It's kind of like, I know you, you worked at Ernest and Young for a while, uh, right? Price, Water, Price Waterhouse. Or, or PwC. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you go work for PwC, you go work for Ernest and Young, go work for the, for the top tier, top tier shops. And then all of a sudden you go to, go to work for some crappy company and you start doing all that. Next thing you know, your reputation is tarnished, right? It's kind of like that. Only I was doing it in the IT world. And so it really limited what I was able to do and pull in the type of salary that I was accustomed to, right? So I was, I was living a very, very terrible life, right? So what, what did you do to, to shift your mindset? So what, what ended up happening was I, I started befriending other C-level executives and getting to know them a little bit. And, 
And they, I got to know one guy. He's a really, really nice guy out of, out of New York. And I was able to land a job as a, as a, as a VP of, of technology for a very large company, right, in New York City. So once I was able to do that, uh, I was still wasn't happy, but I was at least able to to at least get a solid paycheck. It, it took almost all of almost <laughs> eight years for that to happen. From the time I went through a divorce to uh, well, from the time the divorce was about to happen to actually landing in New York. Two thousand ten to two thousand eighteen. Uh, I'd say well, maybe a little, maybe a little, maybe I'd say sixteen. So it was probably six years. Yeah, yeah. But then it was like after doing after dealing with all that. Uh, I still wasn't happy. I was still like in the IRS was still after me from a whole bunch of other tax issues that was brought on by the ex and all kinds of other problems. It was my life was complete, still a complete mess. And uh, but it wasn't until and I still wasn't doing anything. I still had my I still had some some real estate assets. I was still throwing off money despite all these these issues, right? And um, but then I got a real big break with uh, this gentleman that lived in New York City too. And he, had a, he was running a company in Indianapolis. And he says, hey man, listen, I know you're really good at what you do. He could tell it was really good. He wanted me to come on board for this company in Indianapolis to fix it, fix their IT. So I did. So I left New York to go to Indianapolis. And I fixed, like I basically worked on fixing that, that business. And then th- this is where, this is where the, the, the heroin of money comes in, the heroin of a paycheck, you know, where now I'm earning, I'm, I'm earning, I'm back to earning like tons of money. And I, I, I thought about doing real estate. I did think about it. I'm looking at, the, you know, I'd look at these deals and I'd be like, huh, you know, I could, I could buy a building, you know, but I'm getting a, I'm getting a, a, a huge paycheck on, on Friday. Do I really want to mess with all this? Ah, forget it. Every, every two weeks I'd be going through this, right? Should I go do that? Ah, Forget it, you know. And then what do I do? I go out drinking, go party, go hang out with friends, and waste money, blowing cash as fast as I can get it in. Is blowing it, dumb, super dumb. So what do I do? So that's the that's the point. I get fired, right? Eventually. Oh, really? With the, the, with the indie company that you you fixed the the whole IT thing, and then you ended up getting because, canned because the guy who hired me. He he quit, uh, right? Because and then and then the new guy comes in, hates me, and and, and you know and wants to bring in his guys, and sure. I get canned, right? That happens. So when? What year is that? Is that two thousand seventeen? Two thousand eighteen? Yeah, end of two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Okay. End of two thousand seventeen. So it's kind of like, so it wasn't that long ago, right? No, about it. it was not long ago. So now but you're you go into two thousand eighteen. So been, what do I do? So I start focusing on on rebuilding my life and cleaning everything up, you know, getting rid of all the distractions and fixing, really fixing my life. And um, so I decided to make real estate the center point for everything. Real estate was going to be it. And the shift from from doing the party time, the drinking, all the bad stuff that I was doing, I had to basically cut all that out and decide this is what my life. I don't. I do not want that life anymore. I want to see a big shift in my life. And it took a while to do that. You know, a lot of self improvement, and that's the thing. When I when I was working at this company, I did some of the partying and drinking, but I started exposing myself to self development and self improvement and things like that. It wasn't just like all of a sudden. Like I was, I already started down that path. So by the time I left, I was already like, I was already thinking, okay, I really have to, I really have to fix my life here, you know? So by the time I did leave, now I had a bunch of free time. I could focus on what matters. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's why I decided real estate was going to be it, you know? And I just happened to meet a friend who was also in Indianapolis, who's an attorney. And he told me about syndication. I had no idea what that was. He explained it to me. And I'm like, oh my God, I could do that. I could do that game. So how would you define syndication for, in your own words? Sure. Syndication is basically pooling the money, pooling the resources of other people and sharing, sharing the risks to go buy a large cash flowing asset. That's how we do it anyway. Or invest in a deal that's going to one day throw off a whole lot of money and then it gives a return back to everybody that invested in it. You know, it's very, very simple. 
very easy. Is it simple, but the word is intimidating, I think, you know, yes. until, you, until you understand it. Syndication, oh man, that sounds like something from, you know, some finance book that it, like, I'm, I'm not even going to touch that. And really, it's just a bunch of people coming together to buy an asset they couldn't buy on their own. Right? That's right. And, and, and the funny thing is, is that so many people do it all the time. Companies do it all the time, you know, uh, to, to make to make a big Hollywood movie. Those deals are syndicated. It's a syndicated deal. Right. It's done all the time, all the time. People do it all the time. They do it with, with real estate, you know. So it's, it's crazy how that is. But once he once this attorney friend explained it to me, uh, the light, the light went off. I'm like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm doing from now on. I'm quitting IT. And I'm focusing on this one thing. Sure. And, I, and I've been doing it ever since. Right. Fantastic. Don't uh, you wish that when you were a C-level executive making great money that you actually knew a syndicator that you could have been siphoning off a piece and giving it to them to provide you with better returns? Because man, I think uh, back and I'm like, I made some great money and I kept putting it into the stock market and into ETFs and 401ks and IRAs and SEP IRAs. And, and I'm like, man, I wish I had known about this. And, you know, even if I wanted to stay at my job, like I could have been making great money by, you know, partnering with somebody that, that went out and found the deals and managed them. It's so dumb, man. <laughs> I remember when I was, I was 19, I was working at this, uh, this, this electrical distribu distributor. And I remember that lady, the, the HR would bring in somebody and they would say, oh my God, if you, if you sock away $100 a paycheck, then yeah. by the time you're 65, you have $1 million. <laughs> I remember being 19. It's like, wow, a million dollars. How awesome would that be? And it's like, it's like, now you look, it's a million dollars. A million dollars is nothing. <laughs> wouldn't last you, wouldn't get you past two years with all the taxes they have to pay on it, right? It's ridiculous. It's crazy. But back then it seemed like a lot. And in reality, that deal never worked, by the way. That deal never worked. Um, you know, if, if, you, if I did do it today. And, but the thing is, though, is that back then, when I was earning all those big money, that big money in my, in my early 30s working at that company I was telling you about, I could have done the deals myself. That's how much money I was earning at the time. I could have done those deals by myself and bought, bought these properties if I would have just opened my mind and learned about this stuff. I would never have used 401ks or any of that stuff. Uh, I would have used maybe a self-directed IRA or something, you know, put, still take that company money, the, the matching that they do, of course, always take that, it's free money. But I would have just taken it, put it into a self-directed IRA and use it like that instead. So, I mean, but that, that whole thing's a scam. It's a giant scam. You know, we, we, people are convinced that that's, that's what you have to do is totally incorrect. Totally wrong. Totally wrong. Backwards. Yeah. Way. So, you know, you said you educate yourself. One of the, one of the, I I've asked so many people that have come on the show, like what, what got you started? And so many people have pointed to the one book, rich dad, poor dad, um, and by Robert Kiyosaki. And, and that book alone has changed so many people's lives because it changed a light bulb went off in people that there is another way. And I remember I gave it to my kids to, to read and my son read it um, over the summer and he was in high school. And then like the next year, he ended up starting his own business in high school where he did very, very well for, you know, for a high school kid and he took it into college. Um, you know, it's probably not something scalable that he'll, he'll do forever. Um, it was like reselling limited edition sneakers. But for a high school kid, I'm like, look, you sold that one pair of sneakers. How many, he also umpired, how many ump games would you have to umpire to, to make that same amount of money? And, and, but he, you know, he read that book and it kind of changed his mindset. Yep. That's right. No, that book's changed so many lives. I mean, for me, it's funny. I didn't even know about that book. Right. I didn't have a mentor. And back then there was no um, I, if there was a podcast about real estate, I didn't know about it. You know, I just didn't even, I was nowhere in that circle. I was still, I was still escaping the corporate world. Right. Right. And it was, I learned from, um, Sam Zell. I learned about real estate from Sam Zell, who's not, I wouldn't say he's the best when it comes to like, how do you structure a deal or anything else like that. But as far as the money to be made in real estate, Guys like Sam Zell, guys like Grant Cardone, 
they would talk about real estate. Robert Kiyosaki came after, you know, and then it was, but it was more of his real estate stuff before his rich dad, poor dad, believe it or not. You know, rich dad, poor dad was also, of course, the thing that put it over the top, right? Sure. I already had, but I already had the entrepreneurial spirit, but I, I, I basically shut it down because my parents always told me entrepreneurship is risky. Don't do that. Go work for somebody because it's right. less risky, you know, and that's a bunch of crap. You know, it's like, I don't understand now. I don't, I, I don't get it because if, if you go work now, it's like you go work for somebody, the biggest risk is them handing you the GTFO box at any given time. Yeah. I mean, look, when you're in your twenties and thirties, it's probably pretty safe. You know, I mean, if you get let go, you're going to find another job. But when you get into your forties and fifties, look, there's, you're competing against those twenties and thirties. Like you make too much money. So, yeah. you know, when you go looking for, for another job, that's risky, you know? So Hey, you, 2018, started fixing your life, going after real estate. You have your own podcast called Bulletproof Cashflow. Yep. Why did you start that? And, and um, you know, what, what's your why related to your podcast? You know, the reason why I even started all this, the whole movement was around giving my, my son a future, Right. Giving giving my son something that I didn't have and building building wealth that can last generations. I wanted my my son's kids, kids, kids to know my name. So to have something that big, you really have to you you really have to build something kind of huge that's going to be fairly indestructible, right? But aside from building that, he would also need an instruction manual too, right? So so how cool, how cool is it? That when my kid is my age, or even his kids' kids are my age, they can still go to YouTube and listen to me, their great grandfather, explain to them how to do a real estate deal. That's how funny. cool is that? that right? That's that is very, 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 very cool. I didn't. I I never thought about it that way. Um, right. Which so that's I think why is I do this. Cool. Yeah, that's you know that's why I do this. I, when I was trying to increase uh, social media presence, because I wasn't on Facebook or Instagram or any of that until I got involved with real estate about four years ago. And um, one, I was a part of a private Facebook group and I saw the power of connecting with people all over the country. And then I went to entrepreneurial conferences and people were telling me, you got to get on Instagram. And I was like, oh man, this I don't even know how to do that. you know. So I hired somebody to teach me. And one of the things he told me, he's like, look, you got to post every day. I'm like, oh, so uncomfortable. He said, look, your kids, when you talk to them, because my kids were teenagers, you know, a lot of times they tune you out. He's like, but I guarantee you they are looking at your Instagram because that's where they spend their time. And now you provide if you want to get a message across, you put a message out on Instagram and then they see that and then they may not come to you and talk to you, but it's another record, you know, just like you're talking about with the podcast. I mean, that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. 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 But that's, that, that to me is the best way to educate your kids and build a legacy. You know, part of it is I want to build a legacy for them, you know, for, for my kid, you know, I mean, and I also help people as well. Because I, I truly believe, you know what, for some people, they're okay working in corporate America. And I, I'm not saying corporate America is the worst thing ever. Uh, but for some people, they enjoy it. They like it. They're happy. Great. Good for you. You know, but there are people out there right now that are doing stuff that they don't want to do. They're not using their gift that's been given to them. Instead, they're, they're, they're waking up every morning, living a terrible, horrible life instead of doing what, what they're meant to do. Our time here on this planet is limited. And people seem to, to live their life as if we have an unlimited amount of time. But every day we're getting, we're getting a little bit older. Our bodies are decaying just a little bit. You don't feel it, but it is. It's true. <laughs> yeah, my kids are like, Dad, your hair is white. <laughs> I mean, I, it's like, hey, I go to the gym twice a day. I do CrossFit. I mean, I, I don't... I mean, I do the hard stuff and it's like, even, even I feel it, you know, but it's like, if you're going to leave a legacy, 
you have to be in good physical condition. You have to do what what, you, what needs to be done. But I think more importantly, though, is like living life on your own terms. That's really what it comes down to. And, you know, I mean, my life's not perfect by any stretch. and There's still a lot for me to do. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people talk about what financial freedom and time freedom all the time, right? And and like, what's what's your you know, zone of genius, what's your, you know, area of expertise, what gives you passion, what, you know, all of those things. Um, I heard a story recently about somebody told me he was, he was, he was in a scene where there was an accident. Um, and he was talking to one of the police officers, the police officer, and this, this gentleman happened to be a firefighter and the per, the police officer said, Hey, I, you know, I know you're in real estate and and they started talking. Well, the police officer owned like 40 or 50 homes, like a crazy amount. And so the firefighter was like, you must make a lot more money off of that than you do being a police officer. And he's like, oh, absolutely. I could retire at at any moment, but I love what I do. Yeah. You know, that is a guy that knows what he wants to do you know, and he's in the right spot. But there's other people that are doing it that they feel like they're forced to do it, you know? So look, if you're a doctor and you make great money and you love being a doctor, fantastic. But know that there's other options to grow your wealth, right? So you could be a passive investor in real estate transactions, have somebody else manage it for you, and then you do what you like to do. Be a doctor, you know, yep. rather than be sold that you have to put all your money in the stock market. Yeah. Well, I think part of it, though, too, is that you know, this requires a lot of introspection and, and think like sit down by yourself and, and really think to, to yourself, is this the best you got? Can you do more? Right. And maybe it's can you can you make more money? Can you help more people? Can you help your church, help your faith? What can you do? To, to, to be bigger, to help more people, if, that, if that's really what, what you want to do, right? Can you do better? Can you do more, right? I if think the answer that the, is yes, yeah. then, then you're, short, you're, you're shortchanging yourself, you know, just by not, doing Not only yourself, but, but other people, right? Yeah. Uh, I had yeah. somebody take me out to breakfast and he said, Darren, kind of like you, the guy that you, you were talking about earlier. Hey, hey, Darren, I just, I don't need that much stuff. I don't need that big of an income. I, you know, I'm here right now. I just need a few more clients to, you know, and then I'll have the lifestyle that I'm, and I'm like, I think you're thinking too small. Like you can, you can help so many more people and you don't have to go out and buy a Ferrari. You could give tons of money to your church or to some other organization, but you have talents that I feel like are not being leveraged to their full capacity. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and you know what, it's going to, it's going to sound terrible, but people like that are greedy if you think about it. And they're greedy in the sense that they're capable of doing more. They, they, they have the formula. They only have just enough for them and their families and that's it. Right. If you really wanted to, you can go ahead and make more. And you know what, once you hit that limit, give the rest of it away. Just give it away, you know, go buy a Ferrari for someone else then, you know, you could do more, but they choose Absolutely. not. Absolutely. Right. right. They don't look at it that way. And, and here's what I would say to listeners too, is like, look, some of the, some of the listeners, they're just trying to get their first deal. And we were both there, right? You, mm-hmm. you with your single family, me with, with the duplex. If I had not done the duplex, if you had not done the single family, not only would you not be doing the Rockefeller deal right now, you know, a $135 million deal, but you wouldn't be on this podcast teaching other people. So, you know, there are some listeners right now that have not done their first deal. And what I'm here to say is, look, if you go out and do it three years from now, you will be helping your friends and family figure out how to do it. You don't see that right now. You can't yeah, see I, that right now. 
but it will it happen. It only takes one. It only takes one deal. It's all you got to do is do a deal. I remember there's, um, I was running this, uh, a local, a local real group actually. And these same people would always show up and this husband and wife were showing up and, uh, it was a multifamily group. It was a multifamily focus group. And this, the, this couple would show up and they said, Oh, we really want to do a multifamily. And, and I just said to them, damn it. Next time you come out here next month, you better have a house, have something, buy something or don't come back. <laughs> they bought it. They, they came did. back. They did. They bought it. And they're like, oh my God, we're so happy you told us that, you know, because they needed a, they needed a kick in the ass. Some people need a, a little kick in the ass. Yeah. Some accountability, and, you know? And, 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 but what was, what was great though about it is that they bought one and then they bought a second one like two weeks later. Right. So they, they started buying a portfolio. It's like, Awesome. I'm glad you did something. Excellent. You did, did something. Did you make you know? a dollar off of that? No, nothing. You made nothing, nothing. off of that. But it, I, it, co it cost me money to drive an hour <laughs> each way to get to this event. But that, I think know? that that is part of the, like, look, there are things that we do in this, in this world and real estate and other, other industries that make us money. We, you know, if we partner on a deal, we're going to make money. Um, but then there's Another piece that is just about helping the next guy and you don't get paid for that, but you know, there's good karma that's, you know, and it makes you feel good as a human being, you know, to help somebody else's life. That's right. You know, and it's great. This couple had that a young, um, a young daughter, I think she might've been like 11 or 12 years old at the time, you know, and it's like, she got to see this happen, you know, so hopefully Maybe their kid will get into this game too. You know, um, this this is not for the faint of heart. No one's ever like. If anybody says it's easy, they're lying. It's not easy. Um, it takes effort. It takes continuous learning. But once you get started and you do you do what you're supposed to do, you're not a jerk to people. You're not a slumlord. You do an honest honest living, helping other people with putting a roof over their heads, you're going to be just fine. You know, we help thousands of families. We literally have thousands of families living in our homes right now. Thousands of them. You know? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the impact is huge because it's all the, the tenants and all your properties. Then it's all the investors that have invested mm -hmm. alongside you. Look, you, you have a, a profitable property and then all of your investors make money. Some of them, that money is going to college. Some of them, you know, for a car, some of them is for retirement. Like they all have different uses for that. And then their, their family sees, you know, so it's all those investors, but then maybe they tell their, their kids or their aunts and uncles. And um, it just has such a ripple effect, which is amazing. Hey, we're, we're starting to come near to the end here. Um, you know, $135 million Rockefeller building. Like what's next for you, man? What, how do you keep pushing the boundaries? What's the next big stretch goal for Mr. Augustino? You know, it's a good question. Um, usually I go down to, I go down to Florida and when I'm down there, I spend pretty much December thinking about what, what the next 12 months are going to hold. So I'm a little bit early right now, but I've already been kicking it around and I feel that the way that the market is going, we're still looking for stabilized assets. Although the valuations of stabilized assets have gotten to a point where it doesn't make any sense, you know, especially, well, in some markets, depends on the market, depends on the tax credits and opportunities on credits and things like that that you might get access to. But it's looking like development is going to be a bigger, a bigger part of the portfolio going into the next year. Know, doing more development deals, try to pick up assets where we can. Um, but it's, I'm thinking it's going to be more development and more net lease type of stuff. You know, more cash flowing net lease type of assets where we are buying, um, we're buying assets and just cash flowing them. Like these are guaranteed corporate guaranteed assets: Starbucks, Walgreens, Advanced Auto Parts, things like that. Like setting up a fund to acquire these sorts of. And, um, and then we're probably going to make a move back into the single family space. We can believe that. You know, really? Considering, 
Yeah, but, like buy, but buying like large portfolios of single families, like not just onesie twosies, we're talking like, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 at a time plus. Yeah. So, so big, bigger, a big, bigger multi or yeah, bigger single family stuff. You know, I've heard more and more people, you know, that have in the syndication space talk about, you know, trading up, whether that's BC to move into a properties or, um, or start focusing on, on development because the, the gap between that BC value add, you know, the basis, the cost per unit is, you know, getting up there where it's very close to a property. So people are like, well, why am I going to keep paying that? You know? So um, I get it. But the key thing though, Darren, is to realize that the guys that are getting into the A class stuff right now, um, in order to hit those return targets, there, I think that there's a lot of number massaging going on. Just what I think. I don't know for sure. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I I, I like to whatever. You're insinuating. Whatever I, <laughs> I'm not insinuating. Anything. <laughs> but when whenever whenever we buy a property, um, I'm I'm always super conservative, very careful. That's just how I buy stuff. You know. Uh, or how I get involved with, with a development deal, I'm very, very conservative. I, 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 I have a, a high degree of confidence in the deal. The way that the market is shifting now, even on an A-class asset, it's kind of like I'm, I have grave concerns about those, number one. And number two, it's like, just like I said earlier, if I can develop it, I'm probably just going to straight up develop it as opposed to even try to mess with an A-class. I'd rather, like, I'd love to have an A-class cash flowing asset, but at the same time, too, if I can develop it for the same amount of money and I know that that market is strong for that development deal, I'll do that all day long. Right. Right. Uh, as opposed to try to squeeze out a, a small profit on an A-class asset, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I'll, just, I'll just highlight a couple things there. One, so on an existing A-class, so I recently looked at one um, that – the current rents today, current leases being written today, are significantly higher than they were 12 months ago. So what that shows me is that there's there even without pushing rents at, at all, there's a lot of loss to lease that can be recouped if the market just doesn't go backwards. You know, so yeah. the guy yeah. that rented 12 months ago, you know, when his renewal comes up, you know, if, if you're high 90s occupancy, you're most likely going to be able to get close to, you know, the, your latest lease. Now, again, that's assuming that the market doesn't go backwards. Um, so that is almost proven because you're seeing the new leases today. You know what the, the lost lease is with older leases. Uh, a new development deal, you know, is going to take 12 months to two years, you know, de- de- I don't know, depending on the, the property to go through the process and you have risk in that time period. One materials costs could change like lumber went crazy, mm-hmm. you know, six, six, nine months ago. Um, and the economy could be different, you know, when it comes lease up time. So both, I understand it, but both still have risks. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, the, the the difference with the the difference when it comes to development though is what market you're developing in. Like, so everybody's got eyes on 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 Florida right now, right? Uh, in Florida, I love that market. It's a great market. Um, there are no tax incentives to build anything there, so you're gonna you're 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 taking on the full brunt of everything, including the taxes and everything else that goes along with it, right? Uh, and again, you can still do very very well there. Here in Cleveland, you get opportunity zone. You get you, you, you get some sort of deferred tax credit as well, like uh, uh, for up to fifteen years tax abatements for fifteen years. You get all you get a, you get a TIF. You get PACE loans. You get all kinds of other huge incentives here, and there's still demand. I mean, not Florida type demand, but there is demand here, right? It's you have to know sure. the market. You have to just know the market, and it makes sense when you understand it, right? Um, that's, 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 I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm just developing here either. You know, we do have three projects here, 
Uh, I think we're going to be looking at Florida as well uh, to try to take part in some of the upside there. But again, it's gonna, it just means that we're going to be very, very careful about what we're getting into uh, down in Florida. That's all. So I love what you yeah. said. Know the market. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's everything. That's, if you don't know, if you don't know the market, I mean, that's the thing that, and we have strength here too, because we have so many units, we have so many projects going on here. We know the market and the market knows us, right? That's important. It can't just be a one-way yeah. street. If the market doesn't know who you are, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to have a hard time. That's huge. Hard time. That's huge. Hey, what do you like to do outside of real estate? Fun. Oh, uh, <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. Man, uh, what do I do? Um, I, I, I CrossFit. I mean, I, I don't know what else I do, man. I go to the gym twice a day. I literally go to the gym twice a day. I'm going, I'm going in three hours, actually. So, yeah. CrossFit's tough, man. CrossFit is tough. Especially when you're, when you're an old guy like me. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, that, that says a lot that you're even doing that. So, Hey, Augustino, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you've got a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of experience. Um, this guy is is got the um, podcast called Bulletproof Cashflow. Um, definitely check that out. How else can people reach out to you? What's the best way for them to get to know you better? Yeah, Bulletproof Cashflow, of course, is one great way. We have the Facebook page. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. We're on every, all, all the social media channels. Uh, also, Realty Dynamics, uh, rdyne.com is uh, the actual website. What so is it? Rdyne. It's abbreviated. So it's abbreviated for Realty Dynamics. So, so rdyne.com. Check that out. And um, so they they can go there and find out more about you and, yeah. and, and everything um, from that perspective. There we go. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I wish you much success. I look forward to seeing you at another conference coming here up here shortly, hopefully. Um, Listeners, I hope that you guys enjoyed that one. Until next week, signing off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend.